Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves. I'm one of the pastors here at Northview Community Church. Uh, I get to oversee the women's ministry and that is a great joy. Uh, we just finished our last um, study this morning or sorry, yesterday morning. So we're looking forward to a little bit of time off and then getting back into it after Christmas. I am joined here today with Thalia and Carla. They will both um, just say hello so that you can understand or hear their voices, how we are all different, so you can tell us apart as we go through the podcast. I'm Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff in the care department with Fix Schellenberg and Paul Siemens. And I gather that people say that, Crystal, your voice and my voice are similar on podcast. Well, yes. I was at... Starbucks the other day ordering a coffee and someone looked at me, are you Thalia? <laughs> I was like, no, I am not. I'm Crystal. She says, well, I listen to your podcast all the time. So they even got our voices mixed up. I know. It's funny. Yep. It was funny. And I'm Carla. Um, I am the admin assistant for Pastor Crystal in the women's department. And I'm also the wife to Pastor Paul. Who's in the care department with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great to have you here. She got she learned the ropes under Thalia. Thalia mm-hmm. trained her. Yes. <laughs> Not really. I think Diana, Diana did. Yeah. Yes. I can't train them on all the things they need to do. No. And no. I also go by Diana. People still call me Diana. So yes. I kind of. Well, see, you have the dark hair. Yes. So it all fits. Yeah. There's just too many doppelgangers around here. <laughs> Andy and Kyle had a face swap thing. Did you see that on yes. Instagram where they swapped each other's faces out? Oh, that looked just scary. <laughs> it was a bit creepy. I know. Yeah. But it's something that we somehow have fallen into here at Northview. And Paul and Greg get mixed up for each other. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, funny. Uh, We are heading into the Christmas season. And we're also in the middle of a Bible study or just finishing off a Bible study, like I mentioned in the book of Luke. And there was a passage that came up in our Bible study that we thought would be applicable to talk about as we go through the Christmas season. Uh, We just finished off in Luke 12, 12. That's where we ended this first semester. Um, After Christmas, we're going to start up again. Uh, and Luke 12, 13, and go all the way through to Luke 24, part two of the Luke series. If you have not been in women's Bible study and you're interested in joining in, you're more than welcome. You don't have to worry about the fact that you are starting in part two, because we will just give you the groundwork and how to get started and how to catch up. Um, Just so you know, if you are thinking of coming to a women's Bible study, generally how it goes is we have a little bit of homework that we assign each week. Uh, It's optional to do, but it's really encouraged because it gets you familiar with a passage before we study it together. And then when we come together on a Monday night in Abbotsford or Mission or a Wednesday morning here in Abbotsford, uh, we spend about 30 minutes talking through our homework, familiarizing ourselves with the passage. Then we spend about 30 minutes around our tables, kind of getting to know a aspect of that passage a lot deeper. And then we generally have a coffee break, time to visit, maybe some worship, and then a time of teaching from the front where somebody just, uh, again, brings up some of the main themes of that passage. And then we spend about half an hour talking at our tables about how that applies in our lives. How, what, where does the rubber hit the road uh, as a result of this passage? So you guys have both been part of the Luke study. Mm-hmm. What has been some of the highlights or things that you have been um, yeah, noticing over this last semester? So for me, I've been leading a table on Wednesday mornings, and then I've been teaching a couple times in mission on Monday nights. So leading a table is really fun because I can see how the passage is actually impacting the people. And we have a young mom, we have a couple of us middle-aged ladies, and then we have a number of elderly ladies, and that has been a gift. We have people that have been married over 60 years, we have people who have been widowed for 40 plus years, and we have a lady at our table that's um, 75 and just got engaged. 
we got to celebrate. It was really great. Yeah. So I would encourage people to oh, come out. Oh, you guys are cheering one day. Like, what is going on at that table? I know. I know. It was great. Yeah. And Monday night, oh, they are such a great group of women. It's a smaller group. In mission, you're saying. Mm-hmm. In yeah. mission, sorry. And so that you can dialogue a little bit more in depth as a whole group, because Wednesday is a bit bigger. Yeah, Wednesday is 120-ish, and yeah. but in mission, it's about 30 on a yeah. Monday night, which is great. So you can have that that more kind of group dialogue. Yeah, we'd it's like easier. it to grow, but we're yeah. going to work with the 30. It's really oh, great. They're a great 30. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you're from mission, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and for me, I've been table leading um, Monday nights in Abbotsford and uh, co-leading on Wednesday mornings. Um, And it's been great. I think my favorite part has been just um, the discussions around the homework. Um, We started out, you know, following all the questions. Each one, you know, we'd read the question and answer it. But as as the season went on, we just started talking about questions we had and, and sort of hashing it out together um, based on the scripture um, and uh, and just really growing in the word. And then also our prayer times have really grown and it's become one of my favorite parts of the study. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are freaked out about the homework crystal. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and what the expectations are or not about that. Yeah. So basically what we want, like I said, is for you to walk into the room feeling like, oh, I kind of know what this passage is about. So that as we talk about it, you're not like hitting it for the first time. Yeah. And so what we ask people to do is just read through. It's usually about a chapter, a chapter and a half, and then kind of um, answer kind of what they observe about the different people in the chapter. So we'll outline who those people are. Like this time, look at Jesus and the Pharisees and the disciples or whatever. What do you learn about them? So answering who questions, then answering what questions, basically like an investigative journalist. You think of the who, what, where, when, why. So what questions, what kind of things are happening in the passage? What kind of ideas is Jesus confronting? What kind of responses are the crowd giving to him? Um, So basically you're just looking in this text for answers that are right there, but it helps familiarize yourself, get yourself understanding what's going on. And then you look at the where and the when. So where is Jesus when this is happening? And sometimes that's really significant. Other times it's not, but sometimes in those significant places, it's good to know kind of specifically where he is. When is this happening? Is it at night, in the morning? Sometimes those things impact what your understanding of what's going on. And then why? The why questions are kind of the good chewy ones. Like, why is he upset about this? Why are the Pharisees mad? Why? And getting at some of those motivations and underlying assumptions. And then once you go through that, we just ask you to look at the passage again, read it again, and say, what can you praise God for based on this text? What can you confess to God based on this text? And what based on what you've read, what can you ask God for? And so that helps shape our prayer lives because we're shaping our prayers based on what God's saying in his word. Yeah. What his priorities are, um, what his yeah impulses are and what he hopes for us. And so that is just, it takes maybe an hour to work through it over a week. And then there's op- optional additional pieces if you want that just adds extra theological kind of layers to it. But we'd like everybody to get through that first part. It would just really help the depth of discussion go a lot deeper at the tables yeah. if people did. And most of the women at my table report that they like to sit down on an afternoon when they have a little more time or a Sunday afternoon or something and do it all in one stretch. Yeah. But other people prefer to do it in bits and pieces. So it's totally up to you. We would just really encourage that you would try to do some or all because it makes the discussion so much richer. Yeah. And it's that nourishment for yourself, mm-hmm. right? We, can't, we As it said in the the temptations where uh, Satan's confronting Jesus to turn rocks into bread. Jesus says, man does not live by on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if we are to be properly nourished in our souls and our minds, if our thoughts are to be shaped after God, we need to be in his word. So yeah. it's not, 
it's an optional thing to do, but it's a really good thing to do. It's a really good thing to do. And just a shout out to anybody who hasn't done it yet. Um, the first Bible study, um, like January 9th of the Monday night or January 11th, the Wednesday morning, we will be doing the homework together. So yeah. um, that would be a great time to come and check it out and see how how best to do the homework because we'll be doing it as a table group together. Yeah. Yeah. So it won't feel overwhelming. You'll mm-hmm. know. We'll walk you through how to do it. Yeah. And if yeah. you're new, we'll sit you at a table uh, the first time. And if you don't like it there, you can move to a different table the next time. You don't have to feel afraid. We'll we'll work with you. Yeah. The idea is to keep groups of table people together if we can, if they feel like they're comfortable there, because then over those 10 weeks, like you said, your prayer times get a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. You get to know people and you have a group of people then that you can that you know when you walk in the doors of the church because mm-hmm. North you can be such a big church. Yeah. And so we want them to people to build those relationships with people that are trusting that they can trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a big promo for Bible <laughs> studies. Um, but hopefully that was interesting to you and tweaks your mind as you think of New Year's resolutions, getting back in the word mm-hmm. of God um, over Christmas. What we wanted to talk about today, uh, like I said, we got up to Luke 12 in our study. We wanted to read a passage in Luke 10. Um, which is a story about Mary and Martha. Um, so I'm going to get uh, Carla to read the passage, and then we're going to talk about kind of the bigger context of it, and then kind of break down the different pieces uh, that we see within the story. So why don't you read the story there, Carla? Okay. Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the context of the story, sometimes people think that all the different Jesus stories are kind of isolated kind of incidents and Mary and Martha are just kind of one of these isolated incidents. The context of the story is that Jesus has been, or Luke has been repeatedly telling us over and over again, the importance of listening to Jesus. And so there's the mountain of transfiguration just before this, where um, Jesus is seen on the mountain with Moses and with Elijah. And the kind of the end of the word of the end of that story is God says out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Mm -hmm. And so then this idea of the fact that we need to listen to Jesus keeps coming up over and over and over again. And this story of Mary and Martha fits in with that because Mm -hmm. they're highlighting the fact that Mary is listening to Jesus. And so she's just one person that's highlighted as doing the right thing. Yes. But this isn't a story that's just isolated. So Mm -hmm. we just wanted to get that across that it's not just kind of one woman's story that we're wanting to pick out, but it's. These are two women that are showing examples of what Luke is doing within the scripture. So what kind of reactions to Mary and Martha did you have when you talked about this story at your tables? <laughs> I'll let you guys talk because you were with table leaders. I wasn't there. I was just kind of listening from a periphery. Mary and Martha, it brings up so many emotions, but I think the one that came up the most in the different tables that I was uh, with uh, where everybody has that sister, that Mary, and we all... There's a lot more Marthas out there than Marys, I think. And, uh, you know, I comments like, well, if you'd at least offer to bring a dish to Christmas dinner, that might be helpful. You know? <laughs> a lot of resentment came out, like a lot of like, yeah. bitterness and that lazy slacker sister or sister-in-law. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. At my table, it was funny to hear the defensiveness for Martha. Mm-hmm. You know, that we, we need to host and we need to make a meal and we need to do all these things. So what's so bad about Martha? Why is he picking on Martha? 
Yeah. <laughs> it becomes this big tangent that people go yeah, off. You said on. like claws were coming out. Like, <laughs> yeah. <"Whoa." laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sit well, the no, story. No. Which is funny because in our minds, we all think that we want to be the Marys, but naturally, I think te- people tend to be more Marthas. Well, we tend to be task focused, especially mm-hmm. in our culture. We have this list of to do's and things that need to happen and we want to look good and we want our places to look good. And so we totally get the Martha and we don't understand why we're being chastised. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really want to sit at Jesus' feet because that's like, we're going to feel guilty for doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't sit right. It's a hard story. So what are the, like, if you had to kind of give a personality inventory of Mary and Martha in this story, <laughs> how would you describe them? Like, what does the scripture say about Martha? And then what does it say about Mary? So first of all, Martha. Well, it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. So yeah. you can imagine her brain is everywhere, all the things she needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Like she goes and tattles to Jesus <laughs> and she's resentful of her sister. And it's kind of a self-pity kind yeah. of attitude, right? Yeah, victim, kind yeah. of like, oh no. Yeah. And then he, he describes her as being anxious and troubled about many things. And so we know that some of those things have to do with serving and hosting, but I would imagine there's probably a whole bunch of other things like, oh my goodness, I have a guest. I didn't plan for a guest and I have all these other things to do and this is inconvenient and now I have to do this and that and the other thing. Like it's probably a whole weight of stuff. So is he, is he upset at her that she's serving or upset about something else? Like what's he conflict, what's he confronting her on? What's Jesus confronting her on? Her heart. It's the attitude of her heart, because we know it's not wrong to serve. It's not wrong to host. There are a lot of things that need to be done with that. But it's the attitude of her heart and how she's going about it that is the problem here. Yeah. What do you want to add to that, Carla? Oh, I was looking at me. uh, I was just smiling because when we went over this um, passage on Wednesday morning, um, we have a gal, Lori, who comes every Wednesday morning early just to make a pots and pots of coffee and tea for us. And um, she happened to be at my table that morning and we just joked, we're like, okay, next week, Lori, just sit down and start reading your Bible. And when people ask for coffee, just say, I chose the good portion. <laughs> that would be great. And Lori would just have like, be so, it would be so hard for her because she's such a naturally good, great servant. Absolutely. Yeah, but she doesn't walk around being anxious and troubled. No, That's she not doesn't. the impression. She just no. seems to do it out of the love of her heart. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Mary, how would you, what would your be your personal inventory for Mary? Well, Mary, I mean, it just says in the Bible she sat at the Lord's feet. So she obviously chose the good portion. Jesus said she did. Um, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. She's in the posture of a disciple. Yeah, she's chosen to be yeah. a disciple of Jesus and sit there and learn from him. And uh, the good portion was something that was confusing to my table in mission. A lot of people didn't understand that phrase, good portion. What is choosing the good portion? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do we see in this passage? What does it look like? Well, choosing the good portion is choosing to learn from Jesus, choosing to sit Mm -hmm. and learn and understand what he's trying to say. Yeah. It's about the heart again. It is. Right? It's about the heart. Mm -hmm. And what people didn't realize, because I happened to be teaching that week in mission, I'd had to do a little extra work. But that phrase, good portion, shows up in the Old Testament in several spots, especially through the Psalms. And it talks about how the good portion is the Lord himself. It is learning from God. It is sitting in his word is the good portion. Mm -hmm which would also include worshiping him and praising him and learning from him. So that phrase was was unfamiliar. Yeah. 
So a quick plug for any kind of Bible study is the more you study the Bible, the more you see these links, mm-hmm. which is so, it's so exciting to see how the Bible all fits together. And the fact that New Testament believers, they knew their Old Testament so well that they would say a phrase like that. And in the minds of New Testament people, they would remember all these Psalms. Yes. But we don't have that familiarity. So we don't often understand the richness of no. what's being said here. So mm-hmm. did you want to read a bit of Psalm 73? Sure. And before I do that, what I had told the women at my table is that I happen to have one of those doorstop ESV Bibles that have all the notes at the bottom. I have it on my iPad and I actually have it in paper form too. So when I was doing this in preparation for teaching, uh, the good portion was confusing to me too. So I looked at the notes at the bottom of my ESV page and it directed me back to a number of Psalms and Old Testament places so I could make those links not having known my Psalms as well as yeah. you know these people would have. Yeah, so you're saying a plug for the ESV yeah. study Bible or yeah. just for looking up those cross-references yeah. that are in every Bible, right? It happens to be my current favorite, but there are probably other Bibles as well that have yep. the notes, I'm sure. So Psalm 73 is the one that I referred my group and mission to, and it starts at verse 23 to 26, and it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yeah. And the great thing about that psalm, if you read the whole psalm in context, is that he starts off the beginning of the psalm anxious and troubled about many things, right? Because he sees the rich flourishing and he sees um, the wicked flourishing and all the godly. There's no real impetus for them to be godly. They're not getting like rewards in this life and he's struggling with this feeling that he feels like we're not getting rewarded for our good things yeah and then as he goes through the psalm and becomes a worship becomes a worshiper he realizes actually there will be an end to the wicked and we will be rewarded and god is our good portion mm-hmm. and so it's a great psalm for reminding us of what's important mm-hmm. so this story also ties into another passage in luke um, that, like I said, Luke ties this whole, these ideas keep coming up over and over and again. And that is the sower and the seed parable, which is in Luke 8. So we want to also quickly bring that in. And then we want to talk about what this looks like kind of in our lives at this time of year specifically. So Luke 8, do you want to read that? Yep. This is the parable of the sower. Beginning in verse 4? Yes. Okay. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we are talking, Martha um, is the soil that, um, the seeds that fall among the thorns. So in verse 14, Jesus explains it to his disciples. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Yeah, so when Jesus is explaining what these four soils are, that picture of that thorny thorny soil is exactly Mm -hmm. kind of then later on kind of um, developed as we hear the story of Mary and Martha, because it's that evidence or that's a story showing how that can happen, how we can have faith, we can hear it, but that could get choked out 
by things that we experience, by the worries, anxieties. That's basically what mm-hmm. that was saying, right? In, mm-hmm. in Luke 8, verses 14. So it's I think he, the cares. It's talking about the cares, the cares. And, the, and tying that into Martha and how yeah. she's troubled about many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those themes keep coming up over and over again in Luke. And it's something we want you to pay attention to. Yeah. There's a quote from a book I've been reading called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And he says, when we're crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. Hmm. And it's like this, where when we are, our um, love for God can get choked out. Our good portion can get choked out by the cares and all our anxieties and worries about many things. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal. And then he has, it goes on page, different page. You don't care about the pages unless you read the book, but it's a really good book. It says, busyness does not mean you're a faithful or fruitful Christian. It only means you're busy, just like everyone else. And like everyone else, your joy, your heart, and your soul are in danger. We need the word of God to set us free. We need biblical wisdom to set us straight. What we need is the great physician to heal our overscheduled souls. Hmm. So this would be a book that you'd recommend to people if this is something that they see resonating in their own life. Yeah. That struggle between kind of the Mary and Martha characteristics. Yeah. Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. I'm yeah. working on it now because we are going to include it as part of the curriculum for the immersed students that are doing their course called Gospel Grounded Counseling. So it's going to be part of the one session we're going to do on burnout and busyness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to bring this up now because we just studied it and because we think it's very applicable, especially going into December. Yes. Into the Christmas season. Yes. So why is this a story that speaks to our life at Christmas. Okay, well, let me give you stories from what the people I meet with. Yep. So what happens is people will come, women will come and meet with me and their makeup is not so awesome and their hair is not so awesome and they are like just looking like they have every care on their shoulders and they are overwhelmed overwhelmed and flapping and upset and we're heading into Christmas and that means, oh my goodness, I've got to decorate and that means I have to pull the boxes out from the attic or the garage and then I make this big mess and then I got to put them all back and oh my goodness, I don't have time to decorate and then gifts, oh, I don't know what to buy for who and when am I going to go to the mall and then hosting. And we don't have money for yeah, we yeah. certainly don't have money for all the gifts. And my kids have these expectations about the presents under the tree. And I don't know if I can meet those expectations. And what are they going to think of me? And then traditions, when are we going to have time to do the Stanley Park train or whatever? It's raining and it's a long way away. And I have these other things to do. And then we have family coming. I don't like this uncle or this aunt. And I don't know the conversation. <laughs> and then and they're just like go on and on. And they can hardly breathe because we're heading into the season that has so many things attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's They're really tough. And troubled about many, many things. things. <laughs> yes. And so what do you say in that situation? Well, it's very interesting because I usually start laughing in the middle of their big, long, you know, list of things. And they're looking a little offended, like, why are you laughing at me? And I'm like, that's me too. I actually don't like Christmas for me as a mom and a wife because it's a ton of work. And it's magical when you're a kid and you can just show up to Christmas and you unwrap the presents that someone else has purchased and wrapped for you. Awesome. You can go to the Stanley Park train, but you don't have to set it all up. It's wonderful. But as soon as you're the one who's in charge of Christmas, that is tough. And our regular weeks are full. Never mind if you add all the Christmas expectations, mm-hmm. it just can get to be a lot. Yeah. So I'm actually usually not very excited about Christmas. And I really don't like it when people start asking me, are you ready for Christmas? I'm like, <laughs> no, I won't be ready. I get asked until, that every morning though. <laughs> I won't be ready until December 24th when I'm on duty here at church because until that point, I'm going to be flapping and running around and decorating and food and grocery shopping. And like, there's just tons to do. So yeah. it's me too. And I usually say, yeah, that's part of how it is. 
Okay, I've gone on for a while. <laughs> Somebody else pitch in. Well, you're talking about it as like the train that you can't get off of. Carla, how would you explain that? Well, it just, I think, I think realizing half of the expectations are unspoken and really mm-hmm. we're putting them on ourselves. Yeah. And honestly, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So I was just saying earlier, we just need to stop, stop the train. Like, honestly, you don't need to have the perfect little candy kiss cookies with the <laughs> sprinkled candy canes on top. And the right. If you have even just some chocolate chip cookies, your kids are going to think it's yummy because it's sugar. That's really all they are expecting <laughs> at Christmas time. Like take your pressure off. Um, a yeah. couple of years ago, I told the kids, I don't have time to bake everything that we're used to eating at Christmas yeah. time. So let's all just have a little vote. Let's pick our top three favorites. Oh, that's good. And, and then we bake them, you know, whenever we had time, stuck them in the freezer. Yeah. And voila, right? Like, or go and buy a treat. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't, I think we need to lower our expectations. Yeah. Um, we're not Santa, and nor should we try to be. Yeah. So try and take some of the unspoken magic out of the moment and yeah. just just let it go. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. And I think part of that might be... A little bit unplugging from Pinterest or Facebook or yes. Instagram because oh, that sets up huge expectations for what oh, yeah. everybody else is doing with all of their fancy traditions and all of their decorations and can mm-hmm. add extra pressure when maybe we are, are not doing those things or don't have time for those things. Mm-hmm. Like I know for me on the years when I'm not hosting and this happens to be one of those years where we're going elsewhere for Christmas, I do a lot less around my house in terms mm-hmm. of my own personal house decorations because no one's really going to be there. It's just going to be your family. Yeah. And then on the years when I'm hosting, I'll do a little bit more. But I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm completely stressed out because it doesn't help me. It doesn't help my family. It helps Mm -hmm. nobody. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the practical things that you have done to cut down that stress, to kind of refocus yourself towards the good portion at a time where you could become anxious and troubled about many things? Yeah. And we could probably come up with a bunch between the three of us. I know something that my family has talked about is in my extended family, we've started going out for dinner, just the adults, a nice place that we've always wanted to try just a nice dinner once. And that's our gift to each other. So no extra gifts on top of that. And the cousins exchange gifts and it's a low budget amount. I think it's like $25 or something like that. Like that's, you can hardly get anything for that, but that's what we've chosen to do. And there's only a few cousins. In Mark's side of the family, we've done the same thing. Just the cousins exchange gifts. The rest of us will go and do an experience. And we've gone to do Van Dusen Gardens. We've gone to the Stanley Park train. We've done all kinds of things like that. Just to have an experience together as a family, but cut out all the extra shopping and wrapping and expectations about that. That's one thing that's helped. What about yeah. you guys? And a good portion would be investing in those relationships that yeah. are close to you too, right? Yeah. Rather than stressing about trying to please them in a way that you don't know what to do or yeah. what to buy. And when we've done an activity, we often can mix a lot better and visit a lot better. Whereas if you're kind of trapped around a table, you're kind of stuck with the person beside you or on either side to talk with. It makes it a little bit more fun when we can actually interact with a variety of ages and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The experience is something that's caught on in my family too. My sister-in-law for the last number of years, um, she's great at finding deals and Groupon is a place she goes to. And for example, something that's happened between the cousins for a number of years is um, $25 and you get $50 worth of um, credit for our Castle Fun Park. Oh, so that's this is the a cousins- coupon that you bought? Oh, year after year. Okay. Yeah. And so the kids, that's their Christmas present, like from the cousins. And then off they go and they have hours of fun playing at Castle Fun Park. And it's only been, you know, $25 worth of, you know, I mean, she does buy more than one, but just saying like, that's, that's an easy way to cut finance and also to just create that experience where the kids are building relationships. Yeah. You know, Um, even with our own family, we have four kids and 
half of them don't have any money. The others, you know, the older two have a have earned a little bit of money, but we just draw names. They don't all have to buy for each other. Right. They each buy for one and we keep it like ten dollars or mm-hmm. less. Like it's really just that thought. Um, it's that it's just nice knowing that someone's thought about you, but it doesn't always have to be these great big fancy no. gifts all the time. No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I think even just simple things like allowing ourselves to sit down in the midst of this time, allowing ourselves to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee to sit by the fireplace is just important to realize that it's okay to stop. And if you have to do that a couple times a day to remind yourself that it's okay to stop, do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes we feel guilty if we stop, but we need to refresh. We need to sit down. And I know whenever I sit down and relax, my family relaxes when I'm buzzing around. I know as a kid, when my mom buzzed around, I couldn't settle down. Like no. I felt like stressed. Like I should be helping her. I feel guilty for sitting here and reading yeah. a book when my mom's buzzing around. And so I try not to do that. I try to sit and so that they can sit and yeah. they can come talk to me and we can have a snack together or whatever. So those little pieces of just saying, yeah, I don't have to get everything done. I don't have to constantly be flapping. No, and it doesn't have healthy. to be done today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can wait till tomorrow. And if it doesn't get done, you have to go buy it from the store. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm I'm surprised at how many women feel guilty about sitting down for a coffee break or having a nap or whatever it is takes to sort of refresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to encourage people to do that. Yeah. Having good music on, like a lot of times yeah. people want yes. Christmas music on, which is fun. But yeah, making just having your house feel like a place that's light mm-hmm. and joyful and that you have that music in the background, that can be a good thing for reminding you of important things. Yeah. Because we're really trying to cut down on um, not being anxious and troubled about many things, trying to pare that down so that it's better for us and for our families. And then putting in the good portion. I mean, we have so many ways we can do that. Yes. Yeah, there's some good, um, there's some good, like for families, there's some great Christmas movies out there Mm -hmm. um, focusing on Jesus, right? Like the Nativity or the Fourth Wise Man's a little cartoon that's, it just, it's, 30 minutes well the cartoon is about 30 minutes and it just just sit down and and just be reminded why are we doing this what what's what's the real sorry to be cheesy but reason for the season right um there's a great set of books um again about 15 20 minutes a day where um you just sit down with the family and and you read through it once um one series is the whole jotham's journey it's maybe for a little bit older kids maybe like seven or eight and up um and it's just it's a it's a quite an intense story and it's for every day of the um advent and it and it's, it's an intense story of this little boy Jotham or the other books are different characters but um at the end of each reading there's um a bible verse and just a, a focus how are you celebrating christmas how are you remembering the reason for this celebration and yeah. it's great um there's another one i haven't read but i've had tons of good reviews um it's called the jesse tree and it has daily readings as well just just some fun family devotional sort of focusing times doesn't take a lot out of your schedule but it helps you refocus yeah Yeah. because i think if we get our brains in the right spot the other pieces fall Mm -hmm. if we stop flapping if we sit and enjoy the good portion for a while it helps us reprioritize and get our yeah just realize what things are important and what aren't if we keep just going 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 on the train like you said we never actually stop to think and be intentional then it just keeps seeing over seeming overwhelming Yeah. yeah there's a great app called She Reads Truth and also He Reads Truth and you can choose the Advent series and then it has a really good portion of Bible reading and then you just swipe it and then you have the devotional. It's really good as well. I haven't done it this year but I've done it other years 
I guess mm-hmm. there's still time. I could still do that. We're coming up to first advent. So yeah. yeah. And there's other events. Like if you have time, there's good events you can go to like mm-hmm. our we're having a Christmas carol sing night this Sunday night at church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Christmas drama that can be really fun to go to. Last year we went with, uh, we bought a whole table and went with six friends and it was just a great time to build into relationships that we hadn't built a lot into over the last, over the first, you know, the months just before that. And it was a great experience, mm-hmm. you know, a fun time to have together. So Finding maybe if you have time, what I know when my kids were younger, it was hard because they had all their band concerts and the dramas and the, so Christmas was really busy. Now that they're older, there's not all those things we have to be at. And so there's more opportunity to actually build into other traditions and find other ways to enjoy that good portion. And I think when you're there, recognizing that that is part of um, getting the good portion, it can help Mm -hmm. you to focus on where you're at for that evening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Carter is in grade 12 at MEI. And so they, this is our last Christmas choir concert with him in it. So yeah. I just want to, we want to enjoy that evening and say, okay, this is part of being part of the good portion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or our kids programs here at Northview, I think it's the 17th, 18th or 16th, 17th, whatever weekend that is. Right before Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have kids that age anymore, but it is really fun to watch the kids of our church be on stage talking about the story of Jesus. And that's a great way to get the good portion into you. Yeah, it makes me so thankful for all the scripture that they are absorbing yeah. by being part of those performances because they're singing songs that are Bible-oriented and they're, yeah, thoughts that are um, in line with scripture. It's just such a great way for them to form their minds mm-hmm. at an early age. Mm-hmm. So we hope that gives you some good thoughts as you think about going into December. Yeah. Um, Thalia, why don't you pray for the listeners as we think about this uh, busy season ahead that we would be people who look for the good portion. Okay. Lord, we are so thankful that you are the good portion, and we can read about that in Psalm 73 and other places in the Old Testament. Lord, but we are busy, and we need your help. We need your help uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit to pursue the good portion. Lord, would you help us to um, not abandon Bible reading and prayer and church times? Would you help us to want to be present at church or different Christmas events where we can learn more of who you are and how much you loved us and that you sent your son to die for our sins, that we might have life. Lord, we just ask that you would fill us up again this Christmas season to pursue you and to do a good job with all of the Christmas things that we need to do outside of that. We ask all this in your name. Amen. 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 And if you have any questions you want to talk about further with this on this topic, if this is an overwhelming time for you, um, feel free to contact the church office, chat with Thalia, um, one of us. We're happy to walk through some of the scenarios if you need help figuring out how to get to the good portion. Yes. Okay. Merry almost Christmas. (laughs) 